So we're going to talk about that for tonight. Um, it's going to be it's going to be a fun little message. God showed me some uh, kind of cool things about it, so I'm looking forward to, to sharing that with you. Um, and I always refer people if you want to have a real just sound teaching on it. Um, I'll use a lot of his material right here. But Pastor Robert Morris does a great job in his um, in his series, My Best Friend, the Holy Spirit, or is even a later message that he's revamped called um, The God I Never Knew. But the, the part where he talks about is he charismatic refers specifically to the the. Uh, the spiritual gifts, and so it's only about a 30-minute message. You can look that up and watch that as well. But I'll hit. I, I did um, borrow some of his information tonight, but because um, he does a great job on it, and I'm not going to reinvent the wheel. If, if God's got it out there, I'm going to I'm going to use it. But he has shown us some cool stuff tonight as well. If you haven't already, open up in your Bibles to uh, Galatians chapter number five, and we're going to be in um, verse 22. Um, if you don't have the Passion translation on, you go ahead and turn over to First Corinthians. But I'm going to read out of the Passion translation. It's here on your outline. But um, God showed me some pretty cool stuff about. Uh, how we want to go about when, when you want to, so many people seek gifts when the first thing God wants to put in your life is fruit. And so tonight we're talking about the bait and the hook. And so you, you know that you can't, you can throw a hook out in the water all you want, but it's probably not going to do much good unless you just happen to have a fish swim into it. No, you've got to put the right kind of lure, the right kind of bait on there to attract the kind of, the kind of creature you're wanting to get a hold of. And so um, for me, you just have to wad some mashed potatoes up and put them on there and, and I'd, be, I'd be jumping in the boat basically. But uh I do, I do want to encourage you in this. Don't, don't ever get past the point where, you, where, you're, allow, where you're allowing uh, fruit to be born in your life. Sometimes we have this mindset, and we don't, and we don't really consciously think this, but we get this place where, well, I don't got to, I'm, I'm in this area, and I can operate in this gift. So the fruit parts, you know, I'm done with the fruit. I can go on to the gift. No, the, the gift always makes the way for the, the fruit always makes the way for the gift. And so you, you've got you to constantly remind yourself to keep bearing fruit. And um, the Passion Translation version of Galatians 5, 22 and 23 says, but the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all of its varied expressions. And so I had to stop right there for about an hour and concentrate on that because we've always had this mindset that there's nine fruit of the Spirit. And it, was, it messed up my whole message I was going to do because there's nine fruit and now there's, there's nine gifts and that just worked out. But no, there's one fruit and that fruit's love. Now, now look how this reads. It's divine love in all of its varied expressions. So really what it is is the fruit that you bear is love, but you express it through joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. And so it's all rooted in love. And we've, we've talked, and Pastor Joe hit on that Sunday. You know, it all goes back to 1 Corinthians 13. And you begin to focus on um, how you walk in love. And so, but let's just finish reading this. It's like, in his, it, the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all of its varied expressions. Joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures. And we don't like either one of those words, but that's all right. We'll, we'll, we'll learn them. Kindness in action or sweetness. That's a pretty cool way to put it. Some people think, well, they're just a sweet person. No, that's a fruit of the Spirit. They're just, I mean, it's, 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 it's kindness. Um, a life full of virtue or goodness, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart, and strength of spirit, which is also, we refer to that as self-control, but it really, what it really means is submission or lordship, and we really don't like that one. Because self-control is really, we all know the Bible says, like, like the Bible says, no man can tame the tongue, and we really have a, self-control is basically a, a, a futile effort in the life of a believer because we have a hard enough time, you know, so we, we have to ask the Holy Spirit to come help us. And so a fruit of the Spirit being self-control, really what it's talking about is lordship there. It's submitting to the lordship of Jesus Christ. And so the self-control issue gets a whole lot easier when you allow him to be in charge. You know, the whole, goes back to the whole what would Jesus do thing. You know, I mean, really understand the fact that I'm just going to submit to his lordship. If he doesn't want me to do it, whether I think it's a good, bad thing or not, whether I think it might be, it might be the greatest thing in the world that you might feel like it is that you're about to do. But if, it, but if he tells you no... And that's it's, what's what lordship's all about. You may seem like, so lordship is really, self-control is really just submitting yourself to the lordship of Jesus Christ. 
Never set a, the law above these qualities, for they are meant to be limitless. And so that goes back to what I was saying earlier. We kind of get, we have the mindset sometimes that we can go, go to the place of, well, I've got this fruit thing figured out, so let's move on to the gifts. No, the fruit thing is limitless. We should never stop bearing fruit. We should never stop being the kind of person that is, that is expressing God's love in every, in every aspect, in every way that we can, that's possible. And so we should always be in a place where, we experience, where we're experiencing the limitless fruit, the lim- limitless love of God being poured out of our life. And so... Um, we know that in um, Matthew 4 and Mark chapter 1, Jesus said, I'm going to make you fishers of men. Well, it wouldn't be very fair for him to say that without equipping him to do that. And so that's what he's done with when he gave us fruit and gifts. And so fishing involved, like I said, simple, more, simply more than simply throwing a hook into the water. Without the proper bait, you'll be hard-pressed to catch a fish. There always has to be a draw that gets the favorable attention of what you're trying to catch, like mashed potatoes, you know, or sushi, either you know. Hook is not very attractive or favorable. Like I say, you're not going to sit there and look at a hook and go, well, I'm going to jump on that hook. I love that hook. That's a pretty hook. Now, if you're trying to catch a fish with it, you might. But a fish is not going to go by and say, hey, that's a good-looking hook. Let's just see if I can take a jump on it and see what happens. No. So if prophecies, miracles, tongues, all these things would have worked in winning, winning people to the Lord, if, all these things if these things would have been the only thing we needed to, get to, to wrap it to, to make sure that people were being evangelized and brought into the kingdom, if that was all we needed... This deal would have been done by now. Jesus would have come back. We'd have had everything good because they had that figured out way back in the beginning. But we've got under, we got to understand that those, there, there's hooks and there's bait, but you've got to have bait on the hook to, to, catch some, to catch someone. And so you must learn to let the Holy Spirit show you what bait to use in order to reach people in different phases and situations of life. So, for example, you come, ac- you come across somebody that has just maybe lost a loved one or gone through a hard time, and you walk in there and you're all joyful and gleeful and you're just kind of showing how happy you are, probably not the right fruit that they, that they need at the moment. You need to walk in there with some peace. You need, to walk, you, need to walk, you need to walk in there carrying some gentleness and some kindness. You know? And so you've got to understand, just like, just like if you're going, if you're going back bass fishing, you're not going to use a crappie jig. I mean, you might get one by mistake, but not very likely. So the same, same thing here. If we're, if we're going to catch... The right kind of fish, we've got to be led by the Holy Spirit as to what kind of fruit we need to bear at the moment. That doesn't mean you don't have all of them in, in work, at work in your life, but you need to come to a place to where you understand that, okay, I'm walking into this situation. Okay, Holy Spirit, what, what fruit do, are they needing in my life right now? Well, maybe they need peace. Or maybe they just need, you, maybe they need to um, just vent for a little while and, and you need some patience with them and just let them vent. Maybe, maybe they're in a place to where, to where they've been treated harshly by several people and they just want somebody gentle to come love on them and show them, show them the compassion of God. I mean, you really need to be led as, as, as how, how the fruit of the Spirit, how that love is portrayed to people so you can um, use the right kind of bait to draw them into the kingdom. So, the hook cannot do its job if the bait's not in place. While the bait does the luring, the hook, the hook completes the catch. Expressions of love draw in the hurting and the loss, but it's the gifts that secure their belief and show the willingness, God's willingness to move in their life. So once you get them close, once that, once that bait, and, and in fact, you know, the, the, uh, the bait thing's pretty easy. All you gotta do is, 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 is walk in love and be like Jesus would be to people, you know, and you don't, you've gotta, you don't even gotta have a hook in that situation. You just can draw people in. You know, you, they also have what they do, what they call chum the water, where they throw the bait off in the water and just let it, and all the fish come gather around and then they start trying to catch them. Well, you, don't, you can do some good without, without having the gifts in operation, but if you try to operate the hook, without the bait, you're going to do more harm than good. You're going you're to end up hurting and frightening people. So let's, let's go into um, the hooks now, which are the, gifts of the, which are the spiritual gifts. It says, verse, 1 Corinthians 12, 1, says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. And so 
Paul right there says, it right there, this automatically shows, you know, that he didn't say that when he wrote Galatians. He said, I need to teach you about fruit. No, he just said, bear fruit. You know, the Holy Spirit's in you, he bears fruit, he bears fruit through you. It's not hard to bear fruit. You don't got to have much teaching on it. You're not going to do much harm to somebody with fruit unless you throw it at them, you know, and hopefully it's rotten and soft so it hits them, hits them nicely. But, but, um, but uh, the, 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 there's a greater deal of education required when it comes to the, 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 the hook than there is the bait. You've got to understand that, you know, there, there's some danger in using a hook. There's some danger when you, you know, whenever you teach a kid how to fish, the first thing you say is, okay, don't throw it yet, let me back up. You know, look for people around you because you don't, you don't want your eyelid flying off in the water because that's not, that's not the bait that was required to go on that hook. Now, I mean, we all understand that when, when, you, when you give a kid a worm, all you do is tell them not to eat it, right? But when you give a kid a hook, you're like, all right, take it easy. That's dangerous. You don't want them, you know, and we've all had those moments where the hook's gone flying by our head or, or worse, we had a situation one time with my wife where we'd gone fishing over at Coleman Lake and we had the, the fishing poles hanging out of the back of the wagon we were pulling around. And um, Katie was pulling the wagon, and, and she was going kind of slow, so I told her to speed up because we were about to trip over these fishing poles. And she does, and when she does, she catches Amy in the leg. Well, um, a treble hook in the leg is not a, not, a, not a fun thing, and so as much pulling and prodding as we did, we couldn't get it out, and so we had to go to the hospital and get it cut out and all that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, there's much more care required with using the hook than there is the bait. And so, like Paul said, I need to teach you some things about using the hooks because they're good things and they're required and, and, and we need to, to, to be, in order to catch someone, in order to, to secure the catch and bring them into the kingdom, we need the, we need the gifts, we need the, we need the hooks, but we've got to make sure that we're properly using the hook because the hooks used the wrong way can be just as dangerous and just as harmful as, as they can be good if we use them improperly. And so, you can trust the bait because it's meant to be pleasing and edifying. And like I said, being loving, patient, joyful never hurt anybody. Now, Gifts without love in place can cause fear and apprehension and can frighten off an already hurting or lost person. This doesn't mean the gifts shouldn't be used, but you must love those around you enough to take time to understand how to properly handle them. And so here's the thing. We can say we're using our gift because we love people, but if you haven't taken time to learn how to use that gift, you don't really have that love in operation already. I mean, so many times, so many times we're like, we're sitting here going, well, I got this gift, I want to use this gift, I want to use this gift. Well, like, like our pastor told us, it's more about the recipient than it is you using a gift. It's more about the person receiving than it is you giving. And that's one, thing, that's one of the things that, that we, we try to um, work on here as, as ministry staff is it's not about how well we preach. It's not about what we want to say. It's about what, do the, what does the, the, the listener need to hear. We always got to focus on, on the recipient, not how, not how much we want to operate in a gift. Because then it comes more about us and, and, and our show and, and how we can operate in things. It's always about love and it's always about what is the best way to reach this person, draw this person in. If that means I just shut my mouth, then I'm going to shut my mouth. But I don't get attention that way. Well, that's fine as long as the person gets drawn in. You know, and allow God to show you how to operate in the gift properly so that you can be a draw and you can properly bring someone into the kingdom and not do more harm than good. I've seen, I've, I've heard a lot, a lot of people and talked to a lot of people who have, have, have gone through things and, and been dealing with things and, and as they come in, well, I would go to the, uh, you're not a nomination church and I went to one of those one time and man, this guy told me something that was off the wall. Can never, no, see, we, we need to be very, very careful but how we operate and how we use the gifts. Not, they're needed, they're, they're beneficial. He wouldn't give them to us if they weren't. But we've got to make sure we have, we're educated on them and use them properly so that they do, the right, they do the right job and they don't end up hurting people. And so, having said that, let's read in 1 Corinthians <clears throat> chapter number 12. We'll start in verse 4. Now, there are varieties of gifts with the same Spirit. And the varieties of service but the same Lord. The varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all and everyone. Now, let's look at this real quick. 
You know, a lot of us have this idea that when we get in the Holy Spirit stuff, then, you know, well, God the Father and God the Son are just sitting over here somewhere watching the Holy Spirit do his thing through us. But if you, if you, read, if you read this again, these first two verses, the varieties of gifts with the same Spirit, Holy Spirit, the varieties of service with the same Lord, the Lord Jesus, and the varieties of activities, but it's the same God, God the Father, who empowers them all and everyone. And so, these gifts, the Bible even says in Acts chapter 1, Jesus says, go wait till the promise of the Father comes. So these gifts are directly from the God the Father. So we, we have this weird idea about the Holy Spirit sometimes, how he's kind of this, the renegade part of the, part of the Trinity. He goes off and does his own thing and, and brings all these cool gifts and that kind of stuff, or depends you look at crazy gifts, well, however, you wanna, however you want to say it. And so he's the one that kind of goes off and does his own thing, and God the Father and the Son are sent over here in heaven just kind of waiting for him to wear out so they can take control of things. And, and, that's, and that's not how it is at all. These gifts are directly from God the Father. Because the promise of the Father was the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus baptizes us in the Holy Spirit and enables us to use these gifts. And so the Holy Spirit is the one that guides us. The Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that is in us, is the Spirit of God himself. And so God and the Father and God the Son are off on some corner somewhere waiting for him to get done with his turn. No, God the Father and the Son are just as present when the, these gifts are in operation as the Holy Spirit is. So we've got to keep that, we've got to keep that in mind. <clears throat> to each is given the manifestation of the Holy Spirit for the common good. So we're good there. If something good doesn't happen, you probably messed up. So um, it, it always brings about the common good. For to one is given the spirit of utterance, the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit. So different gifts, same spirit. To another the faith by the same spirit. To another gifts of healing by, one, by the one spirit. To another the working of miracles. To another prophecy. To another the ability to distinguish between spirits. And to another various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. And so, those are, those are the nine gifts. And I do think it is interesting, I mentioned it earlier, that there are nine different aspects, or nine different variations and expressions of God's love, and there are nine, fruit the, and there are nine gifts of the Spirit. And so, God is not going to give you a hook without bait. So, all, all, these, all these gifts we just talked about, when the proper bait is in place, when the proper love is, is being displayed into place, the, 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 gift can come into, the gift can come into effect and finish, and finish the catch. Because people are, people, they, they are drawn to the love, but they really, they really do want to know that God will do something for them as well. Um, you know, the, the greatest example, we'll talk about it some more in a, in a bit, but is the woman at the well. You know, she, was, she should not have been talked to, first of all, because Jesus was a man. Second of all, because she was a Samaritan. And third of all, because of the kind of lifestyle she was living. But because Jesus operated with, in, with her, in love with her, and had a conversation with her, when he began to tell her the things that was going on in her life, she didn't freak out and go, this guy's just so mean and, and, and judgmental. No, he had already had a love relationship established with her and already been showing him the love of God, showing her the love of God. So when the time came for the gift to be in operation, the word of wisdom or word of knowledge that he, she, he walked in at that moment, when that came into operation, she was very open to it because of the love that had already been established. And so the bait always, always, always makes the way for the hook. Now, 1 Corinthians 12, 11 says, all, all these are empowered by one and the same spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. See there, as he wills, right? It's not something you go, I think right now I'm going to just, that's some wisdom I can just come up with right now. Um, yeah, all right, I'm going to tell somebody this because, you know, I've got this gift. Now, when, he, when, when you're in his presence and he begins to teach you and show you something, then you operate in that gift, but it's as he wills. Not, not whenever you feel like I'm getting some attention. Now, the term spiritual gift is actually translated grace gifts, and it's from the word charisma. Charis meaning grace, and ma meaning gifts. Just like 
Moss or Ma on the end of Christmas is, you know, is a celebrator gift. And so the English word for charisma and charismatic is where this is derived from. And so that's what, that's what those people are. Oh, there it is. It's some charismatic people. You know, and, oh, them, them charismatics are crazy. And, 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 and what, happen, what happened was, is um, you got to understand, the Holy Spirit is charismatic because that's what his gift is. And, and so the, the thing is, the, char, the word charismatic and where it came in, in religious circles is back in the 70s and 80s when the, the charismatic movement or, or what they call was going, was going on, it was a revival of the, of the gifts in operation. And there was a lot of good. There's a lot of, it op- reopened the door for a lot, of, a lot of the spiritual gifts to be operating in when the church had pretty much shut them down. And so it was, it was, it was called the charismatic renewal, and it, it opened the door up for, for, people, for common people to operate in the gifts of the Spirit again. And a lot of good things went on, but then at the same time, you know how the enemy works and how people work, a lot of bad things came from it too. You know, so-called prophets were telling people to get married, and they get married, and it didn't work. And, and so the, the, problem, the problem is all the good got overshadowed by the bad. But where we're at today, as far as, as, as far as churches that believe in the gifts of the Spirit, it was really, the door was really reopened when the charismatic renewal went around. And so we've got to understand that the, the charismatic side of, of, of the Holy Spirit is amazing and it's good. It's just got to be handled properly and it's got to be taught properly. And so charisma is simply the instantaneous establishment of the Holy Spirit in the life of any believer to exercise the gift for the edification of others. And see, right there, it's for the edification of others. Not to make yourself get attention, not, not to um, make yourself feel good because you can operate in a gift. It's always for the edification of others. And so, um, the spiritual gifts, like I said, was the highlight of the, of the charismatic renewal. And it really, uh, it really showed that, you know, that the gift can be in operation by more than just a so-called ministry, um, a ministry gift or a ministry position. It can be used by the common person. And God's got great things he wants to speak through everybody whenever they'll open the door or to the Holy Spirit to use them. And so, we've got to be careful not to fall in the trap that the gifts of the Spirit belong to us. And, and, here, and here's where we get confused sometimes. We get ministry gifts or ministry offices confused with spiritual gifts. Ministry offices, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, those are actual callings that God sets apart for, for certain people that he calls to walk in. The gifts of the Spirit are for anybody to use. And if the, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher are working right, then th- those, the people, will all be operating in the spiritual gifts. It's their job to equip the saints. It's their job to teach the saints how to operate in these gifts. And yes, they should operate in the gifts too, but it's not their gifting. The gifts are for everybody. The gifts for all of us to operate and for all of us to walk in. And so whenever, whenever we get around and say, well, I, I operate in the, gift, in, the, in the word of knowledge. Well, everybody should operate in the word of knowledge. Well, I operate in this. Well, everybody should operate in that because they're available all, like the Bible says, as the Holy Spirit wills. And so we really need to understand that all nine gifts can operate in your life all at the same time if that's what God's got going in your life. You know, do you, you, now you may operate in, say, the word of knowledge more. Because that's, that's, a, that's a place where a lot of people kind of start or kind of learn. And so just because you're more familiar with it, more comfortable with it, doesn't mean that's the only gift that God's given you to walk, to walk in. I mean, there's several other gifts, and, and depending on what the need is at the time, and depending on what kind of fish you're trying to catch, he's going to give you that hook. He's going to give you that gift, but you've got to be willing and open to operate in all those gifts. We've got to be in a place where we're open to operate in every gift, not just the ones that we're comfortable with. <clears throat> and so we'll get to that place here in a minute too. Now, like I said, there's no such thing as one gift per person or one, or one person who has all the gifts. Any one person can operate in any or all the gifts when the Holy Spirit chooses to manifest it through them. Through them. Now, the Holy Spirit distributes them as he pleases, when he pleases, and to whom he pleases. And so, you know, when, 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 you, get in a situa- when you get in certain service a lot of times, you'll see people going and doing this and going and doing that, and they'll be saying this, or someone will be, be um, 
be over here and I'm laying hands on people. You see somebody's over here giving somebody a word, and, and that's all fine. And this is, where, this is where the ministry gifts come in because it's up to the, the, the senior person in the, in, the, in the service. You know, if I want to give a word somewhere in, in front of the congregation, I, don't, I never do it until I go to talk to Pastor Joel because he's the one God has put in charge of that, that situation or whoever the person in, in charge of that service is. Now, that doesn't, that doesn't mean that, that, that my gift is less important. It means that in the ministry setting, there is an order. But now in your daily life, going through life, and you're at work, and, and God shows you something for the person next to you, then that's, that's on you to follow the Holy Spirit's leading and give that word to that person or lay your hand on that person and see that God imparts something into their life. And so that's, that's where, it all, where it all comes into order. Now, they are his gifts, and if they're going to be effective and beneficial, he must be the one who empowers their manifestation. And so it can't be your idea or it can't be something you conjure up. And, and don't get me wrong, we, we've all missed it. We've all, we've all thought we heard something or thought we done something, and we've all done the wrong thing. And, and, here's, and, here's, and here's where it doesn't have to be a public thing in front of everybody so you're not humiliated in front of the world. You go up to somebody that, that, that you reveal God's telling you, now, and you say, hey, look, I'm, I've been praying for you. I know you're going through, through some things, and I really feel like this is something that God wants me to tell you. And you, and you qualify it by saying, if this isn't right, please don't. If it doesn't bear witness with your spirit, if it doesn't bear witness with something that's already going on the inside of you, then please d- disregard it. But I really feel like God is trying to tell me this. And, and 99% of the time, if you'll be bold and step out, the Holy Spirit will give you the word that you need to speak to that person. But so many times we don't want to mess up so we don't step out. Or, some, or then the, you have the flip side where we're so wanting to give word that we just start throwing words out everywhere that we think God gave us. It really is a matter of being led and allowing the Holy Spirit to, to guide you in to, to these things. So let's talk about these gifts for a little bit. There's, there's nine of them, like I said. And so they kind of get break it out, broken down into three categories. There's the discerning of the perceiving gifts. And they include the word of knowledge, the discerning of spirits, and a word of wisdom. Now, a word of knowledge is to know something specific without having heard it or learned it by natural means. And so this is, this is where it's like, where people kind of, oh, God told me something about you. That's not, that's not the way you approach these things. I know, I, I know, I see, I see something. I know. No, don't, don't be worried about it. You sit down with them gently and say, does this, does this kind of ring a bell with you? If, if I would, you know, and I, I promise you, they're either going to go, no, or you're, they're going to go, yeah. What, what, and so that opens the door for you to begin to, to speak more into their life. And so, like we talked about earlier, Jesus got a word of knowledge for the lady at the well. He said, she goes, he goes, all right, well, go get your husband. She goes, well, I don't have one. He goes, you're right, because you've had five of them. You know, and he wasn't being condemning. He wasn't being ridiculing. He, was, he told her the situation. And he said, I will fix this and give you living water. And what did what she do? She went back and evangelized the whole town. Why? Because the hook was set because it was used properly in love. And so that word changed her life. She goes, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. And I'd be like, oh, well, I'll let you see him. But, uh, all right, now, discerning of spirits. And this is something that I wish more and more people understood properly and walked in more. It's to be made aware of the presence of a demonic spirit. And so many people have this idea that, well, I've got the gift of discernment. Eh, there's no such gift as the gift of discernment. We should all pray for discernment. We should all pray for wisdom on a daily basis. We should all pray that, that God helps us discern between the things that we need to do and the things we don't. We all need to be led by the Spirit. There's a gift of discerning of spirits. Discernment is something that we should all walk in. We should, it's pretty much called common sense is what it is. But so a lot of people say they've got the gift of discernment. Use that to be judgmental to other people and criticize other people. Well, God gave me the gift of discernment. He tells me what you're doing is this and this and this and this and this. No, it's the discerning of spirits. What that means is that you, you know, you, God reveals to you when there's a presence of an evil spirit around so that you can speak against it. Now, how, how great would that be if you knew something was coming against your family? 
God reveals that to you through the gift of discerning of spirits, and you're able to know, you know just how to pray and just how to rebuke that off your family. I mean, it, it, or, or, or if you have a business, he gives it to you. If you knew someone was trying to attack your livelihood or your business, God gives you discerning of spirits and says, this evil spirit is coming against, it's coming against your business and against your livelihood, so if you'll just pray against it, I'll, I'll, you know, you've got the authority to, to get rid of it. So, so many times we've got to, under, we've got to understand that if we, the enemy is going to take these things and we're going to believe lies about these things and twist them just a little bit to where they do more harm than good. Because, because I promise you, God doesn't want you walking up to somebody going, there's a demon on you. I mean, what you do is you walk up to them and say, I, see, I, I can tell this something's bothering you. Can I, can I pray for you? And you already know if God showed you something that was bothering them, then you pray against that. But then you just pray and release them from that. And it's not about you, you're up there trying to perform an exorcism on them in front of everybody. No, you're sitting by side and say, okay, God, I thank you that they got, they've got peace. And you, pray, and you pray the things in that are going to combat the evil and don't talk to the evil and get all weird about it. What's your name, devil? No, we don't got to talk to the devil. Just cast him out. All right. You can see the, you can see the example of this in Acts 16 where, um, where the, the, the slave girl was following Paul, Paul and Silas around going, these are men of God, these are men of God. And they're just, just being obnoxious and annoying. And making, making Christians look bad. And, and we're saying, well, she was saying the right thing. Well, absolutely she was, but she wasn't doing with the right spirit. And so Paul set her free from that spirit. Then he got in trouble for making, made her owners mad because she was making the money through fortune telling and stuff. But, um, but the thing is, how many people would have let that go because she was saying the right thing, but at the same time she was being more of a distraction than she, than she was good. But Paul didn't get mad at her for being a distraction. Paul just got rid of the spirit, and she went back to being a normal person. It really is that easy. It really is that simple. A word of wisdom. And I, I think a lot of people give them, short themselves on this because they don't give themselves enough credit because a lot of times we do, God does, get, does give us words of wisdom. We don't credit to that. We just um, think, well, that's a good idea. No. It's a divine answer solution for a particular event. I like to call them supernatural solutions. You know, we all get in those places in life where we have no clue how we're going to make it to the next day or no, 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 no clue how we're going to um, get through this situation. Jesus operated in all the time. Whenever the Pharisees would try to trick him, whenever they tried try to, to come into him and, and ask him a question that would um, make him trip over himself, and he just, God would give him wisdom right there at the moment. He'd say the right thing, and they'd be like, oh, never mind. I guess we'll catch him next time. You know, <clears throat> you, see it, you, see it, you see it working in, in, in through a person in John chapter 9. Jesus just healed this man of, of, of blindness, and then he was gone before the guy really got to, got to see him. And so the, the Pharisees cornered this guy, and they're like, like hey, look, What's this and what's that? Who, who's, who's doing this? Who's, this guy's not of God. This guy's of the devil. And he goes, the guy made me see. He's been talking to God. And he was able to, he was able to silence these very well-educated Pharisees. And he was just a, a blind beggar because God gave, him a, God gave him a word of wisdom to get out of that situation. And so we need to really understand that, you know, whenever, whenever we, we, we receive the Holy Spirit in our lives, it's not just to make us talk in a weird language. You know, it's to give us these gifts so, so that we can, we can um, operate in things and that, that will really defend and protect our lives as well as those around us. Okay, so then you've got the next, you've got the declarative or the proclaiming gifts. And this is prophecy, tongues, and tongues interpretation. Now, <clears throat> I'm not going to spend a lot of time on prophecy because Pastor Joel did a very good job talking about that on Sunday, but I will, I will touch on it. Um, prophecy is a message of encouragement from God through a person to another person or group. And so, prophecy is always for edification, exhortation, and comfort. It's never, it's never to make people feel bad. It's never to, we always think of this Old Testament style guy with a long beard standing up on the side of a mountain going, thus saith the Lord, you're going to die in three days because you're a dirty, rotten sinner. That, that's not prophecy. 
That might be Old Testament warning. That might, and, that would even, and even in the Old Testament, when they would, when they would speak a punishment, they would, he would still say, but God was gonna provide, will provide the way out. There was always a solution. It was never just a, a condemnation. So we've got to understand that prophecy is always for exhortation and comfort. And if you want to flip over a couple pages into chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians, you can, you can read more about that. But um, we need to always understand that prophecy will always bring comfort. And, we, and, and here's something that you got, we got to understand too. You don't have to be a prophet to get prophecy. The gift of prophecy is available to everybody. A gift of prophecy is simply something that God shows you that you speak encouragement and, and life over, over into, into somebody. And so we, we, we don't understand it, but our pastor is very prophetic. Our pastor walks in and, and, and a great gift of prophecy. And he's not always up here saying, thus saith the Lord. But he is giving us a message that is encouraging and uplifting. You know, if you, if you, if you ever sat under a pastor that's not prophetic and they're more apostolic, it's a different, it's a different style altogether. Not that that's bad, but, but our pastor is very, is very encouraging. He's very, he's very uplifting, and his, and his messages always are very empowering. And so that's, that's, that's very prophetic in nature. And so we've got to understand that when he's, just because he's not up here getting a, a word from heaven and, and saying, thus saith the Lord, doesn't mean that he's not being prophetic in nature and the fact that he is speaking words that are encouraging and uplifting and upbuilding in, in our lives. So um, we, we understand that prophecy doesn't mean that you're getting just a straight up, I'm going to um, shout something from the mountaintops type word. It can be that, but it's not always, it's more often not a very encouraging, very quiet, very peaceful word that you can give to somebody that's going to uplift them and encourage them and push them along their way. Um, tongues. Tongues is a message from God in a language unknown to the person giving the message. And this, this is where I, I, I ask God a question. It's like, if you got prophecy, but you got tongues, you got tongues interpretation, why are you cut out the middle, man? Why don't you just go straight to prophecy? Well, he, he was showing me that, you know, when there's unity in the Spirit, when, there, when there's unity in, in a situation, somebody, it takes a lot of faith to stand up and say, I've got a word, but it's not in English, and you give that word, because you don't know if somebody else is going to have the, have the interpretation out in the crowd, because, because like the Bible says, you know, um, a, tongue, a prophecy is greater than a tongue unless someone interprets. Then it's equal. And so basically what it's doing is it's showing that, okay, God is showing unity in the body by saying, okay, I've got this word over here, but it's not in English, but so-and-so is going to come up, who I don't even know, New, and they're going to and they're going to bring the interpretation of it, and and so when tongues work in conjunction with interpretation, it's a very beautiful thing. You know, we we Amy and I were able to sit under uh, Brother Hagen and his wife for several years when we were when we were at Rama, and um, him and his wife operated this quite often. It was beautiful. I mean, they she she would give up and say something, get up and say, or he would give up and say something, and she would get the interpretation of it, and it was it was amazing, and that was just the most beautiful thing to see to see that working the way the way it did. But um. <clears throat> I do want to encourage you in this. Um, understanding and expressing, a th- uh, interpretation is understanding the thought or inher- in- intent of a message in tongues. And so what you've got to understand is it's interpretation, not translation. There's a big difference. Interpretation is, is the thought or the intent. You know, whenever, whenever I would, w- and, 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 and on a mission trip in another country and using an interpreter, first of all, I got to slow way, way down. But um, second of all, they, 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 I may, give a, I may speak three sentences and they give two words. I'm like, is that it? They're like, yep, keep going. Or I may speak a short sentence and they're talking for five minutes. And I'm going, are you done yet? You know, but, but it's an interpretation. It's a thought or the intent. It's not a direct translation. And so now you've also got to understand that if you're in a political situation where two countries are dealing with each other, you want translation, you don't want interpretation. You don't want what the guy thinks the other guy's saying. You want to know exactly what the other country's thinking. 
and so that so that so you get so you get a proper translation and interpretation. But the 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 message is always in the intent. The message is always in the love, and so God will express that intent through the interpretation, not just a direct translation. So don't don't discredit if you if you ever see this in operation. Don't discredit the the tongue because the the, the interpretation is long, or don't discredit the interpretation because the tongue was short. You know, allow allow the Holy Spirit to to bring the interpretation the way the way He pleases. And so. Let's talk about the, the last three here, and these are the <clears throat> what we call the, the dynamic or the power gifts. You know, the gift of faith. And this is different than, than the, the fruit of faith. The fruit of faith is, is rooted in faithfulness and walking out what you believe and walking out your convictions before God and walking out things that he shows you and being faithful and obedient to him. <clears throat> the, the gift of faith is a supernatural impartation of belief and confidence in a, for a specific situation. Um, Y'all know uh, in, in Acts chapter 28, or 27, where, where, the, where Paul was sailing on the ship with, with the 230 other people going, going, going to Rome. And the storm comes up, and they're fighting the storm for all these days, and, and they're about ready to give up, and they've already thrown everything off the ship except for the people. And, um, and Paul, Paul gets, the, gets God gives him a revelation through the, through the gift of faith. says, you know what? We're going to lose the ship, but nobody's going to die. Out in the middle of an ocean, a storm. Nobody's going to die. Are you serious? But, 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 but God gave them that, that gift of faith to, understand, to encourage the others and understand that they all, they all made it to the shore. They all, they all landed on Malta, and God began to do um, great things there. But that was him operating in the gift of faith because it was an impossible situation, but God showed him, God showed him that he was going to be okay through that. And what happens a lot of times with the gift of faith is um, it will many times lead to bold or what we want to call heroic actions resulting in the next two, the gifts of healing and the work of miracles. How does that work? Well, the gifts of healing is a supernatural endowment of divine health. When you look in Acts 28, when Paul, had, after he landed on the island, he went up and the, um, the governor of that island said his father was sick and dying of dysentery. And so Paul went and laid hands on him with, through the gift of healing and healed him. And so because of, because of the gift of faith, they made it to the shore. Paul got to the shore and he was able to operate in the gift, in the gift of healing. And then, and then um, working in miracles, it's pretty much the same thing as healing, but it's a divine intervention that alters natural circumstances. So what we understand here is, you know, in John chapter 2, when, when, um, when Jesus turned the water into wine, that's obviously a miracle, you know, and, and not just because they were hungry for wine. It was a miracle because, because a, natural situ- a natural circumstance was changed by divine power. And so we've got, we've got, to, we've got to remember that um, when, 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 you walk out, when you walk out the divine, you know, natural things have got to, have got to submit to, the Creator has got to submit to the Creator. And so when you begin to, when you need a miracle, when you need something, when you need something to, to take place, um, that, that's, that's there for, the, for that circumstance. And so we, we should all want that at work in our lives too. Now, here's something, here's something cool. You know, if, if you're, if, you know, one of the things, the resurrection of the dead, that requires all three of these in, in play at the same time. First of all, to raise someone from the dead, you gotta, the faith's got to be there, right? I mean, you've got to, I mean, for you to go walk up to somebody's coffin or walk up to a situation and tell them to, tell them to rise, there's got to be get the faith in there because you're not just going to do that without... No one from hearing from God, I would hope. Um, then there's got to be a gift of healing there because as soon as you die, your body, body immediately begins to deteriorate. So for, that to, for, for, for somebody resurrected, first of all, you've got to have, you've got to have the, uh, the, gift, the gift of faith in operation to be able to step out and do it in the first place. You've got to have the gift of healing in operation to heal everything that would cause them to die in the first place. And then they work in miracles because somehow breath has got to get back in that person's body. And so... If, if you've ever witnessed it or ever read about it, I mean, um, there, there really is a lot, of, a lot at play whenever, whenever something like that happens. But all three, all three of those are working at the same time whenever you, see, whenever you see something like that happen. 
So what I want to encourage you in, in, all, in all of this is, is this right here, is that these gifts weren't just for Jesus. These gifts weren't just, weren't just for um, special people, special apostles. You know, there, there's a lot of people out there that say, well, well that stuff was just put in the place so that the, the church could get started and going. Now that that church is going, everything's fine. We don't need these gifts anymore. <clears throat> Have you seen the world lately? We need them now more than ever. You know, and, and we need people that know, understand them and know how to operate in them now more than ever. We need people that aren't afraid to, to walk up to someone that they see, they see hurting and say, you know what, God, God just wants to bless you. God just wants to speak in your life. God just wants to encourage you right now. And, and I know that you're dealing with whatever, whatever God shows you and, you, and you pour that in their life, and they're like, oh, wow, thank you for that, and encourage them. I mean, we, we need people that are going to be serious about operating in everything the Holy Spirit has for us, not just being happy with your prayer language. You know, and that's, and that's one thing that, and that's one thing that we, we understand. You know, a lot of us now have accepted the fact that, okay, I can't speak in tongues. That's a great thing. And we're in a place where that's not so crazy to us anymore. But we, what we've got to understand is, you know what, there, there's not just my prayer language. There's a gift of tongues. And maybe, maybe sometime God will God'll, God'll put it on your heart to come up and say, you know what, Pastor Joel, I think God's given me a word, but I don't think it's in English. Well, if, if, if it bears witness with the, with the pastor and he lets you speak it, then we trust that God's got somebody out there that's going to give the interpretation. You know, and what, what kind of what showing is that to someone that, that may be questioning something in their life to see that God really does work through more than one person, that God really does work in unity with the body. And we've got to, we've got to get to a place where we're accepting these things. And so we understand that when, when God poured out his Holy Spirit, you know, on, on, the, day, on the day of Pentecost, when, when, when the Holy Spirit, I never liked the term fell. I was saying, Holy Spirit can't fall. He's the Holy Spirit. But, it said the Holy Spirit fell on all of them, so I guess I've got to accept it for what it is. But, um, but when the Holy Spirit fell on them the, on the day of Pentecost and then the tongues of fire came down, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't just for that day. It, was, it imparted these things right here. And just because it doesn't get talked about until later on in, in Acts in different areas, just because it's not witnessed so much, you know, right there at that day, God, be, God began to operate in those things. God began to use those things. God began to impart those things into people. And God began to um, allow... Everyday, everyday common man to operate in the very same power that Jesus walked in. His Bible says, <clears throat> greater things than these that will you do because I'm going to be with the Father. And so, know that as soon as, you, as soon as you're born again, you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, these things are available to you. These things are available for you to walk in. These things are available for you to use to reach the world. But it doesn't start until you begin to walk in the love expressed through joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. We need the bait, we need the hook, and we need, to allow, we need to allow God to use us whatever way he sees fit. So let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we bless you. We thank you for being so good to us. We thank you, Father God, that you enable and equip each and every one of us, Father God, to walk in a way that brings honor and glory to your name. I thank you, Lord, Lord God. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are in this, in this place and that you're present and that our eyes can be opened up to the things of you and that, you can, and that we can understand things that we may think, we may think are, are strange or different, but they're really just your gift that you want to use to reach into somebody's life, that you want to empower us to change somebody's situation with, that you want to give us the, the gift of faith to rise up in a dire circumstance and, and, see, and, see, and, see, the, and see your spirit poured out in that situation. All these gifts are bringing, all about bringing heaven and the kingdom into somebody's situation. And so, Lord God, may we use these gifts properly. May we use them boldly, Father God. May we use them to bring honor and glory to your name. We thank the Holy Spirit for entrusting us with such amazing tools. We're about to see the world change for you. So we honor you, we bless you, we thank you for all that you are and all that you want us to be. We thank you for the plans you've got for us are good. And right now we just want to glorify and magnify your name. Thank you for being with us in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Y'all have a good evening. Y'all dismissed.